Alberta has the dubious distinction of being the source of the largest single COVID-19 outbreak in North America. Roughly 1,500 cases have been linked to the Cargill beef processing plant south of Calgary, and there's also been several hundred cases linked to a JBS beef plant near Brooks, Alberta. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. I talk with Calgary Herald columnist Leisha Corbella about how the virus spread, who has been affected by the outbreaks, and whether appropriate safety measures have been taken. Don't forget you can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your favorite shows. We'd also love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Leecha, tell us about the Cargill plant outside of High River. How big is it? How many staff? Kind of what are they doing there? Walk us through a bit of background about that plant. Okay, well, the Cargill Meatpacking Plant is in High River, which is just south of Calgary. It's almost like a commuter town for Calgary, about 65 kilometers south. And there's 2,000 unionized workers at the plant, and um, almost half of them have got COVID-19. Wow. And, you know, that's quite scandalous, really. Mm-hmm. Half of the workers, pretty much. So 963 workers have got this so far. And then there's been community spread. So another 500 to 600 people have gotten this. One worker has died, and now mm-hmm. a parent of one of the workers has passed. Mm. And one of the things about this is the woman that died. Her name is Hep Bui. She's uh, originally from Vietnam, and her nickname was Candy Mama because she gave everybody bonbons all the time. (laughs) She worked there for 24 years, and they never even reached out to her widower after she died. Wow. When did this all start at Cargill? Like, when was the first case reported, and how quickly did it spread through the plant? They closed the plant on Monday, April 20th. This is the day after Hep Boy died. Mm-hmm. And by then, there was just something like 38 workers who were infected. But by then, you know, half of them had it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just took off. And so they closed the plant for two weeks, and the numbers just climbed and climbed and climbed from that time. So Pet Boy started feeling sick on Thursday, April 16th, mm-hmm. finished her entire shift on that Thursday. She took Friday off as a sick day. She went to hospital on the Saturday and died on the Sunday. And then the plant was closed on Monday, April 20th. And by then, like I said, you know, it, it had spread through the plant, Um there was they were not even handing out masks at that point to their employees there were no mitigation measures other than they loosened up the line a bit slowed down the line a bit so that there could be a little bit more space between them but basically these people are elbow to elbow for 8 hours a day standing up so essentially the nature of the work is what allowed it to spread so quickly like the nature of the work these men and women are working like elbow to elbow on two sides of a line facing one another processing cattle right At Cargill there's two sections there's the kill floor and then the sort of the manufacturing floor where they cut the various kinds of meat into you know ribs and chuck and sirloin and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and then there's packaging but that's sort of completely separate so when you look at the photos of the workers working in the in the manufacturing side of it, there's a thousand people in that room. 
Mm-hmm. They're like they're standing along a long table on one side, facing one another. There's quite a bit of distance between them. Another group of people standing shoulder to shoulder, also on the other side. And then there's more tables in the room, back to back. And you know, b- before this happened, they would all take breaks at the same time. They would all eat lunch at the same time, and no provision was made for that. They would jam into the lunchroom. Well, then Cargill set up a tent where they had people so they could socially distance more for lunch, but not enough. And they hadn't even given out masks until they closed down. Like after the the workers came back on May 4th, that's when they started getting masks. Mm -hmm. And then they started putting up plastic barriers between each workstation. And they've got barriers up in the lunchroom and various things like that. Like they finally took action. We had the first case in early April. The plant shut down April 20th. And when they shut down, there were about 38 cases. But obviously, by that point, kind of it had started to spread. And then that's why you saw these cases kind of expand exponentially over the next couple of weeks. What was the union and what were workers wanting to see happen before the closure? Were they calling for the closure earlier? Were they calling for more safety measures? Oh, yeah. And if so, what was the company saying? The union was calling for the company to close down on April 2nd, and they wanted to have a full investigation looking at what was going on in the plant. And I think had they closed down on April 2nd instead of April 20th, things would have been a lot better. And maybe Hep Boy would be alive. Mm -hmm. The union wanted to shut things down and, and take a look and have employees, part of their safety committee, involved in looking at what happened. But you know what? There has been a new report that's just come out from Occupational Health and Safety, Alberta's Occupational Health and Safety, and they found that Cargill did not include workers in the Worksite Health and Safety Committee. Had they, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. It's just a real sense of a a lack of respect for the workers. Mm -hmm. And you know, like... I was talking to Rachel Notley, and um, she used to be a health and safety lawyer prior to entering politics. The question is, why is Alberta an outlier here? This is the largest single place infection of COVID-19 in North America. So why are we the outlier? Why Alberta? Yeah, I think Rachel Notley may be correct. Um, Alberta is about 30 to 50 years behind labor law. And a lot of times calls for worker safety and and better laws is viewed as red tape in Alberta. And I think that's what's happened here. Mm -hmm. I think they thought that they could just go ahead and and not protect their workers. I mean, imagine not even providing PPE to your workers during a, a, a pandemic where Let's look at what's been happening. People are getting arrested for sitting on a bench alone (laughs) in a park, right? And here's these people standing shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. You can't let your kids play on the monkey bars, but people are standing eight hours shoulder to shoulder. And then there was this big sort of rhetoric coming out that, oh, it's because these people, you know, they live in crowded homes and they carpool. Well, why wouldn't you carpool with the guy you just stood next to for eight hours Mm -hmm. with no PPE on? Why wouldn't you carpool with them? Yeah. Right? Like, it makes no sense. I know that through this, Cargill has said, oh, you know, we've put in safety measures. We're doing our best to protect workers. And the union has come out and said, well, that's just not true. And then you uncovered a memo from one of the VPs of Cargill that kind of 
backed up what the union was saying because it doesn't talk about any of the safety measures that they were publicly claiming to be getting. Yeah. On March 23rd, they said that they were doing all sorts of things, and then they got a memo or a letter returned to uh, Mr. Hess from the union saying what the measures they'd done, and and PPE wasn't part of it. Mm -hmm. So, like, they weren't doing any of this. And they keep on saying, oh, you know, we started implementing things early March. Well, what did they implement other than putting up a tent so people can eat their lunch with a bit more space and opening up a few rooms that used to be, like, conference rooms and stuff? I mean, you know, if people are standing next to one another, side by side, you know, it was just a matter of time. A moment ago, you mentioned some of the rhetoric that came out that they're, you know, these people are living in crowded homes or they're carpooling. I assume that might explain some of the transmission in cases outside of the plant. There's been a, a few hundred cases involving spread outside of the plant compared to yeah, the, more than 500 actually yeah yeah compared to the, the number of workers at the plant which is near a thousand why do you suppose that that started to become the talking point as opposed to what was going on inside the plant i think they're trying to deflect blame i, mean, I think the plant is saying you know uh don't look at us look at how our employees live mm-hmm. but you know a lot of these people who come from other countries they don't have a rental record Unless somebody from the plant takes them in and, and, and rents them a room in their house, they, they have nowhere to live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, think about that, right? No rental record. You're not renting a place. And then, the, the obviously, the carpooling, that just makes sense. In fact, it's something that society has been calling on people to be doing to lower carbon footprints for a very long time. So this is a... A good thing to be doing. And like I said, you know, why wouldn't you carpool if you were just literally standing next to the person you carpool with for eight hours, shoulder to shoulder? These workers at Cargill, you you mentioned the one woman who died from being from Vietnam. The bulk of the workers from, from places other than Canada? Yeah, it seems that way. That So the, a lot from the Philippines, Vietnam, Somalia, Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Listen, like these are people, they're happy for their jobs. They they like their jobs, but they were petrified. Yeah. And they were afraid of passing it on to their families. And they weren't being protected. They started bringing in their own cloth masks and trying to do what they could. Mm-hmm. But we all know that cloth masks are okay in terms of you spreading it to someone else, but they're not effective to stop you from getting it. Is that the the similar situation to to what has also been happening at, at JBS down Highway 1 in Brooks? Well, you know, I went down to Brooks and I was expecting to get sort of what I got from Cargill, like unhappy, scared employees at work. And I found a totally different scene. In fact, I was sort of disappointed, to be honest, but I found a lot. of They had implemented stuff about a month earlier than Cargill. Mm-hmm. So they've sort of had... Um, They've largely stopped um, the spread of COVID-19. And right at the beginning, they had shields on the people, the workers' helmets. And then they started giving out PPE, but they hadn't put up the barriers yet. But now they've got the barriers up. They've got the barriers, like the plexiglass around each seat at the lunch tables and that kind of thing. And they did that much earlier than Cargill. Mm -hmm. So. JBS is a plant of actually 2,600 workers, so more workers and about half the level of infections that Cargill has. Yeah. But still a lot. They still have a lot, and and it is a case of, 
probably had they not taken those measures sooner, we'd potentially be looking at a similar number of cases to Cargill down at JBS. Cargill just reopened a week ago after being shut down for two weeks. What was the mood among the workers in terms of returning to work? And, And do we know how things have been going in the last week there? When they were returning to work, they were extremely anxious, very worried. Um, worried that they were going to catch COVID-19 and spread it to their families. But also, um, they could no longer stay off or they wouldn't get paid. Mm -hmm. So even though they feared their health, they went back anyway because they need their their money, right? They need to be paid. And so apparently now, I haven't revisited since that first day of opening, but I've talked to a couple and they say that things are much better Mm -hmm. and that they feel a lot more secure, that they have a chance now of not catching this virus. That's a positive turn for sure. You know, there's been lots of talk through this whole pandemic about shortages of consumer items, whether that's toilet paper or hand sanitizer or soap or disinfectant and even even meat. In terms of Canada's beef processing industry, how big are these plants we're talking about? Oh, they're huge. So... But th- there's three plants in sort of, um, there's the Brooks plant, 2,600 workers, Cargill, 2,000, and Harmony, about 800, I believe, in Balzac. And mm-hmm. um, they represent 85% of Canada's beef supply. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they're huge. Given Alberta's reputation as being a, a huge a supplier of beef. We pride ourselves here on being producers of good quality beef products and how much economic activity is tied to this industry. Are you surprised that the agriculture minister or the premier haven't been more out front of this issue? Or do you think they've been doing a, a, a reasonably good job of trying to deal with public fears around food supply? No, I think they've done a terrible job. I, I think the agriculture minister, Minister Copping, he said two days before they sh- uh, Cargill shut the plant that everything was safe in there and it was all good and it was a safe place for people to work. Mm-hmm. Two days before. And they hadn't put in any of those measures yet. No PPE, no barriers, nothing. Yeah. W- w- what was he talking about? And where were our public health people? How could they say that this was safe and okay? Yeah. So like I said, again, let's remember what the rest of us have to do. We have to stand six feet away from the person in front of us waiting in line at the grocery store. But they were letting a thousand people in a room stand shoulder to shoulder for eight hours Yeah. and then eat lunch across the table from one each another is eight people per table. That's really? Crazy. Like, I yeah. mean, it's, it is, it's scandalous is what it is. Yeah. It's a scandal like the old folks home thing. I mean, nobody knew this would happen. And you know, I think that that's terrible what's happened. My mom was in a home in Vancouver, and I tell you, the care and the love she got from the workers there was astonishingly fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I know that the people who work in these places are often just the most loving people. And so it's terrible what's happened. And I don't know if we should have foreseen this kind of thing. I, I don't think that there should be. My mom had her own room, but I, I, you know, I, I think there are places that have like four people to a room. Yeah. And that's problematic, especially when something like this can spread so quickly. Did, like, Do you get the sense that there may be lessons here that the government and industry officials may have learned that coming out of this pandemic, once things get more back to normal, 
we might see kind of industry-wide changes? Or do you worry that we could see the same mistakes happen again? Unless there there's some legislative change and that workers are included, and that means their union. Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole us and them kind of idea, like include your workers. You got a pandemic on your hands, include your workers and say, you know, what do you think we can do to, to make you safe? You know, when I was talking to JBS people, um, and I spoke to quite a lot of them, maybe 15, uh, th- they said that um, they can't actually think of anything else the company can do to keep them safe, right? Wow. That's what you need to do. They did it too, too late. I don't want to give these places too much credit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. okay, they've, they've done the right things now. But it's it's really too late. That's like shutting the you know the proverbial barn door after the horses have bolted, right? Like this yeah. this was rampant. But having said that, at least they've finally done the right thing, and hopefully they've learned for the future. I mean, it's something that we hope we don't have to deal with again. Thanks for your time, Leecha. Oh, you're welcome, Dave. Nice to chat with you. Good chatting with you too. Stay safe, eh? Ten three is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Leisha Corbella. More from her at calgaryherald.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.